Love telling you about Boyer's Coffee. They have been a great partner of this program since uh, its inception. I start my day every day when I'm home, in particular with Boyer's Coffee. Aspen Gold is my go-to, but uh, I mix in some Rocky Mountain Thunder. And if you haven't been to the Boyer's Coffee site, you need to go to it. It's boyerscoffee.com. You're going to be blown away by the number of flavors, the number of different products, the number of great promotions they have going. And best of all, you can have your coffee, your morning joe delivered right to your house. That's what I do. They do have it in your local markets if you're out and about. But it's easy to just go to your front door and it's there. How about some of these flavors? Butter, scotch, toffee coconut cream chocolate mousse a new flavor cinnadoodle and it's all been brewed in the rocky mountain region for over 50 years you have to enjoy boyer's coffee like i do it's a staple of my diet it's that simple so uh, go to boyerscoffee.com and i'm sure you're going to be hooked once you do boyerscoffee.com You know, I really enjoy my steel products. They help around the house. They help around the yard. S-T-I-H-L. And you can find a plethora of wonderful products to help you get the job done this summer at steel. It's S-T-I-H-L. Steeldealers.com or SteelUSA.com. There are over 10,000 dealers around the country, which means there's one right around the corner from you. And I'm big on hyping battery-powered product, whether it's chainsaws, whether it's blowers, whether it's trimmers, or many of their other products. You can get long-lasting, battery-operated. That's what I have. And it's so simple, man. you just out and about. You don't have to worry about a cord. You don't have to worry about filling up with gas. I mean, they have that stuff if necessary, and they're terrific as well. But I love the battery-powered stuff. You know what's really uh, cool? They're hand-powered saws. So if you're going camping and you don't want a big chainsaw to go with you, or if you have a little job around the uh, the backyard, you can grab the hand-powered saw. They are, they're going like gangbusters. So you want to make sure you uh, check them out at steeldealers.com and get one uh, for your garage as soon as you can. So many products. I know you'll be loading up on them. It's steeldealers.com. S-T-I-H-L. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Rockies closer Daniel Bard may be thinking about the All-Star game. Uh, I mean, it's hard not to. I think it's a goal of every guy that you know, starts on an opening day roster is, hey, see how things go and we can, we can maybe you know, be a part of that game. And the Avalanche are one win away from the Stanley Cup. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to show number 155, and I'm doing it from my hotel room in Miami, looking outside, gorgeous out right now, though you know the late rains are going to come in, that's just uh, South Florida, it's tropical. Love Miami, love visiting Miami, I don't think I'd want to live in Miami, but I have a good time when, uh, when the Rockies are playing down here. Uh, funny story, real quick funny story. Um, do you ever have you ever encountered? I think we all have, you know, met someone or had a brief encounter with someone super famous. In our world, the sports world, I don't count the sports guys because of what I do. You're around those folks, athletes, all the time. So I discount all athletes. 
However, this story is about an athlete because it's not a baseball player. It's not somebody that uh, you know we're living in the midst of because of what we do for a living. Earlier today, Jeff Hewson, my partner, I ran into him as I was coming back from a run, and he was about to go out, and uh, he said, hey, look at this picture. And he had taken a, a selfie with, uh, with someone, and he said, who is that? And I'm looking carefully. I go, I recognize this person. Who is that? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and um, it was Sidney Crosby. He ran into Sidney Crosby, actually on the same floor uh, that we're on, and uh, so that was that was pretty neat because Jeff is, you know, big hockey fan like me, but his son, one of his sons, Cody, is a huge uh, Sidney Crosby fan. So that, that was a little different. It also got me thinking, who's the most famous person that I've ever kind of run into? And I guess because of what I do, I met a couple presidents, interviewed a couple of presidents. So that's, you know, but that's part of my job. But I'm talking about where you all of a sudden found yourself in an elevator with someone or, or one of those deals. And for me, it was walking out of a hotel and I'm standing there. There's only two people standing there waiting for a car and it wasn't the same car. It's me and literally like 12 feet away is James Earl Jones. This goes back about 20 some odd years ago. And we've all been in that position where you go, okay, do I become fanboy and idle up to that person and say, boy, I really like your work or, or some other inane statement. And I chose not to. <laughs> I was thinking in my head, all right, what can I say to this guy that he hasn't heard before just to, you know, to say hello? And I'm thinking about it, thinking about it. And I'm like, the hell with it. Didn't say anything. But James Earl Jones, who, uh, you know, I have immense respect for as, a, as an actor, was standing, you know, 10, 12 feet away. So that's uh, that's the one brush with um, you know different kind of fame because again I don't I don't count the athletes it's it's kind of what you know you do for a living that sort of thing so anyhow moving on you know a guy that um, I did get to know a little bit when I was working in the NBA and is a tremendous guy one of my all-time favorite uh, people that I've met in sports and I think uh, for many of you you'll agree even if you haven't met this guy from afar because he like Howard Cosell used to say tells it like it is he's funny he's irreverent um, he is a guy that I think everyone most everyone enjoys and that is Charles Barkley Charles Barkley's great Charles Barkley's refreshing, he's honest, he's candid, he's a guy that every person would raise their hand and say, I want to go have a beer with that guy. That guy's fun. That guy's lively. Um, He's a great storyteller. He loves people. And um, I I was fortunate to be around him a little bit uh, during some encounters uh, when when I worked in the NBA. But I, I mentioned him because... Uh, I'm a big fan of his podcast with Ernie Johnson, number one. They're, they just kill it. It's awesome. Um, but the other day, I'm watching ESPN's coverage of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and maybe uh, some of you caught it, with Steve Levy, Chris Chelios, Mark Messier, and they had Barkley on. And he was great, man. He's t- he loves hockey, too. And he's talking about one time he got fined for... Um, going over to Mark Messier 
out of a timeout, he saw him sitting there courtside when he was playing, and he said, man, there's Mark Messier. I got to go say hello and introduce myself. So he does, but it took him a, a few minutes to get on the court, so the refs had to give him a technical foul, and when you got teed up back in those days, probably similar amount now, there was a $500 fine. So he starts giving Messier shit, saying, hey, you owe Mess, you still owe me $500, because when I came over, I ended up getting fined, and then he had some... Uh, uh, deal with Chris Chelios too. Sometime they went out. It was just great. Love Barkley. So um, there you go. A uh, quick uh, note. I noticed this guy on, on ESPN. I know his NFL career, um, and, and part of this because of injury certainly, did not become the kind of career that many had predicted for him. Uh, Robert Griffin III. He had the the really good rookie year. Remember there was there was you know a huge debate at the time. Do you take RG3 really rose up um, late, the kid out of Baylor, or do you take Andrew Luck out of Stanford, who everyone had going number one? Luck ended up going number one. I think, you know, Luck clearly was the better quarterback in the NFL, though he had injuries and and certainly retired at at a very uh, young age. Um, RG3 is great on television. That's the point I was trying to make. I've I've caught him uh, a couple of times on ESPN, more than a couple of times, really good. Um, interesting um, guy, and, and he's going to be a star in the uh, in the television business, sports television business. Big, big congrats to Kale McCarr. I was kind of nervous about whether or not he'd win the Norris. Um, from my perspective, and it's not like I study every defenseman in the NHL, but I do watch a fair amount of hockey, especially all hockey involving the Avalanche, as you know. And I was like, this is this is a slam the gavel down, man. Kale McCarr is the best defenseman in the league. He, he's being compared to the incomparable Bobby Orr in many different sectors of the NHL. Guys like Wayne Gretzky are making that comparison. So I was saying, this dude's got to win the Norris. And, and I know that there was, there was thought that, you know, maybe he wouldn't, that the OC, the Nashville defenseman, could win it because he had a ton of points uh, this year. But I'm thrilled that McCarr won it. It's the first of many Norris trophies for McCarr. We hope it comes in conjunction with the Avalanche holding the Stanley Cup above their head. More on that a little bit later because later on today is Game 4, Game 2. The Avs blew out, as you know, it's Tampa. And then in Game 3, I thought they played a solid game um, and lost, as you all know, 6-2. to two. I think back to last year. And the uh, round two loss to the Golden Knights, in which it was four to two, and I looked at that series and I said, you know what, the Avalanche for me got dominated in in basically four and a half, maybe even five of the six games, and they were fortunate certainly to win one of them. Uh, they maybe were deserving to win one, and in this series so far, as we embark on Game Four, and I'll have an addendum to that after the show or. And I'll have an addendum to that after the interview, I should say, is that the Avalanche were pretty good in game three, not great in goal. I still think they should go with Darcy Kemper on a short leash because he is the guy that they brought in to be the number one goaltender. But the Avalanche still, for me, are the better team. 
and I think it'll be borne out before this series is over. And I still think they'll win the Stanley Cup. It's not shocking. Tampa Bay's talented. Tampa Bay was playing at home. Tampa Bay has a lot of pride that they took Game 3. We will watch uh, Game 4 a little bit later on. And later on in the podcast, I'll have my uh, quick reaction uh, to that game as well. Unfortunately for me, it's uh, a little bit opposite uh, the ball game here in Miami. Speaking of the Rockies, moving on to the Rockies, if you will, great series over the weekend in sweeping San Diego. They're now five and two against the Padres. All of that was great, and they hit. They finally hit the ball over the wall. That was that was the greatest thing that came out of the weekend. Gritchick hit a couple of three run home runs. Diaz, uh, who'd been in a, in a lengthy slump, you know, had a single to drive in a run and then a home run. Crowen hit three homers. Uh, over the weekend. Uh, everyone got involved. They have to hit the ball over the fence. The good news is on Tuesday in Miami, they continued to swing the bat. They had eight runs on 14 hits. I mean, it's great stuff. They never play well in Miami. The problem is they still lost. And maybe the biggest culprit of why they lost, their defense is horrendous. And it's shocking. I mean, truly shocking, because this is a team, historically, that always plays good defense. Even in the in the poorest of years, they have played good defense. And as recently as last year, from a defensive fielding percentage standpoint, they were fourth in baseball. And now they're dead last. That makes no sense. And it galls their manager, Buddy Black, because Buddy's old school in in certain ways. And one of those ways, which uh, I'm on board with, is the game doesn't change. It is about pitching, throwing quality strikes, and catching the ball. If you pitch it and catch it, you're going to win more often than you lose. You can throw all the other analytics out the window, and the Rockies aren't catching it. And they should be. And, you know, over the weekend, you thought, okay, this is now a thing of the past. Not that they're going to not make errors anymore in the season. But they played really clean baseball in addition to, you know, hitting the ball over the fence as we were talking about the other day. And you make four errors in a game on Tuesday. And that doesn't include certain mental errors, like the rundown where the guy gets caught between first and second. You're running him down. There's a runner on third, and he comes off, comes off. And instead of then turning and running at him, you let him score in a game. At that point, you already trailed seven to five. They give them a run, and it's eight to five. And then they say that C.J. Crone didn't tag the runner who was hung up between first and second, even though an out call was made. They review it, and they say, no, no tag was made. And they award, it was Miguel Rojas, first base, which you, you probably, if, if you listen to the broadcast that night on television or watching the broadcast on television, you heard me say that's the most illogical thing I've ever heard of. How can you tag a runner, have an out indicated in a rundown? I'm not talking about right at a base. And then turn it around and say, no, the tag was missed and we're going to give that runner first base. Miguel Rojas, on the missed tag, I put that in air quotes, was lying on the ground about 35 feet off of first base. 
So if you said, nope, no tag's been applied yet, C.J. Crone could have gone over and whacked him on the, on the ass and said, okay, did I tag him that time? There's no way he would have been safe. That is a flaw that needs to be addressed when you know, the rules committee gets together in the offseason. Makes no sense. Quickly moving on before we go to our interview. You know, I, I've been somewhat reluctant and conflicted to, to sound off on the whole live golf controversy because it has many tentacles. First and foremost, when it comes to Saudi Arabia and their frequent and, I suppose, long-term human rights atrocities, no one in their right mind, or, or certainly in, in our civilization, are, can, can condone many of the things that have taken place. So let's get that out front. The question is, how should a player, a, a PGA Tour player, should they be vilified or should we look at it differently when players like Phil Mickelson and Kevin Na and Brooks Kepka leave the PGA Tour, Bryson DeChambeau, and go to the Live Golf Tour? Should they? Are they required to be activists? Well, if you ask me that question, I would say no, they're not. And I would say their position is far more difficult than when you are a member of a group and the group is making a social statement, as we've seen many leagues do recently. But you are an individual entity. So every time a player of note has come out and says, you know, I'm going to the Live Golf Tour, it's very controversial. And no player will be more controversial than the guy that kind of led the way, and that is Phil Nicholson. And Phil Nicholson was motivated, as all of these guys are at the end of the day, by money. Okay? Let, let's get this straight. We all understand. Money trumps everything. Money trumps politics. Money trumps where our stances are on many, many things. Everyone, seemingly, most everyone, has a price. You can be very convicted until the money becomes overwhelming. Phil Mickelson is going to eat the largest crap sandwich, if you will, when it comes to this situation. But as I said earlier, it has many tentacles. Our country does business with Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, one of their two or three biggest trade partners in the world, has been and currently is the United States of America. I would suggest that the best way, potentially, to get a regime at moving forward and becoming more progressive in how they treat women, how they treat people of the LGBTQ community, would be by not keeping them isolated, but trying to bring them into a more civilized world, if you will. And I don't delve into politics on this podcast, typically. But in this case, 
it's a slippery slope with these players. And we all want, well, I shouldn't say we all, many people want them to be activists. And you know what? They're motivated by money. And in the case of the Live Golf Tour, they guarantee the player finishing last 120 grand. On the PGA Tour, if you miss the cut, you don't make squat, and you still have to pay your caddy. You had to pay transportation. Uh, they all have little entourages of, of uh, you know, a swing coach, uh, you know, maybe a nutritionist, maybe you know, a physical therapist, a trainer, all those things, and you don't make squat. And so I understand the allure of going over and playing on the live tour. And it's not going over because the event this week is in Portland, Oregon. So it's not as simple as, oh, my goodness, they're taking, quote, unquote, blood money. And I would say this as well. If you unpack the sheets of companies that you either have worked for or do business with and look at where they've done business, where they currently do business, um, some of the inner workings, you may find it unsavory at those levels also. It's not a cut and dry world. It's not a simple world. But at the end of the day, the PGA Tour is going to have to respond as well if they want to keep the main tour together. We understand that most people focus on the majors. I'm, I'm, I don't want to say guilty of it. I love the game of golf, but I'm not watching a lot of the events that take place in between the majors, like the travelers this particular week. And some people are saying, well, a lot of the golfers that are going on the live tour are past their prime. We're not in the top 10 in the world. Hold on a second. I don't pay attention to players in the in the top ten. I couldn't tell you who's number one, number three. I think maybe Scotty Scheffler's number one right now. I, I I couldn't rank them right now. But I know this much: when I mentioned Brooks Kepka, big name, I know who Brooks Kepka is on the golf course. If I was going to an event and Brooks Kepka was on the course, he's a guy that I'd want to follow. Bryson DeChambeau, he may not be in the top ten right now, but I'd want to follow him. Those are big names. So it is not inconsequential that those guys are now going over. And if you're the PGA Tour, you have to find a way to compensate your players at a somewhat similar level. The NFL has had a lot of competition that wasn't really competition. They have one right now, the USFL. It's not straight-up competition because it's not in the fall. It's trying to get football-crazy fans to watch a, a sport uh, in the spring and the, uh, you know, in the late winter. You know, not for me. But all of a sudden, if they were taking the best players from the NFL— if the Tom Brady's and the Russell Wilson's and, you know, the Matthew Stafford's and, and, and the DJ, DK Metcalf's of the world, they were all going to play in another league, that would have an impact on the NFL. And if enough players are all of a sudden playing on the Live Golf Tour, that is a huge problem for the PGA Tour going forward. I don't know if any of that made sense. I just felt that you know it's easy to throw stones uh, unless you're in that situation and most people have you know a dollar figure that if it, if something were to eclipse that they're going to have to pause and think long and hard about whether or not to accept it 
So I guess the bottom line is this. Will the attention on golf and its financial source help to further enlighten Saudi Arabia and achieve additional progress in rights for women, in rights for the LGBTQ community, in how they treat journalists and many other people, hopefully. It's been a lethargic process in our own country through its history. And we'll leave it at that and move on. Time for our Ideal Home Loans interview of the week. This guy's having a great season for the Rockies. He should be an all-star. He's a great story, and he's always good to visit with. So here's our Ideal Home Loans interview of the week, Daniel Bard. How much fun are you having this year? It's been been really good, man. You know, we got a a good group. I'm more comfortable, I think, than I've ever been. Just I know the guys. They know me, coaching staff. Uh, all of our support staff just, you know, gotten really close with them. It's, it's uh, you know, we're not where we want to be in the standings right now. Um, we've had stints of playing some really good baseball, but as a team, I think we're just trying to figure out, trying to help line everything up on the same nights. Um, but as far as, like, having a good group that pulls for each other and shows up every night and plays hard, like, can't ask for much more than what we got here. I've told you this before. I've made a habit on the air of saying, you roll out of bed throwing 98. Does your body ever feel bad? Because I literally, I don't remember any time where it's like, oh, it must be a little fatigued. It's 94, 95. It literally seemed just like 97 to 100 every time you roll out of the pen. I think I've been pretty fortunate uh, genetically and, you know, health-wise. Um, I don't know if it's all genetics. i got a brother who's, who's uh, in the big leagues with Tampa right now. Who's, you know, he's extremely talented, and he's had four surgeries in his career, and I'm lucky to have only had one that wasn't really even throwing-related. So, um, no, I mean, I, I work hard to try to stay in shape and keep my mobility, flexibility, my strength up as I get older, and um, so far it's, it's, it's worked well, but, you know, a little bit of it's just, just luck, I think, too, and um, showing up, showing up every day, doing the work, and hoping those compounding effects, you know, last, and so far we've been really good. How much do you rely on Luke? Do you guys compare notes? Do you ask him to break video down? I mean, you know, whenever one of us pitches, wherever it's at, you know, we, the other one texts Texas and uh, you know there's always a dialogue going back and forth. Hey, you look really good. Hey, slider was different. You know, what were you, were you doing something different? Um, little things like that. You know, it's just it's pretty rare to have someone that you're that close to that's outside of your team, your organization. Um, it's watching every one of your outings and giving you feedback. So it's something we definitely both try to use. How much a part of where each of you are is each other? In other words, the competition. Um, play, playing the same position in a very demanding sport. You mean how we got here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, so there's another brother, Jared, who's in between us. So it was three of us. Uh, Luke and I are about five years apart. So, you know, a lot of, lot of wrestling, a lot of backyard football games. Every You name the sport, we we, we had it in the garage. We, we'd be out there playing it. Baseball was always kind of the main focus but we played everything and I think uh, you know Luke Luke is one of the both my brothers but Luke you know with what he's been through is one of the toughest people I know um, physically mentally like uh, and I think that's 
the product of being beat up on his whole life by his two big brothers. Um, definitely not a coincidence. Is it nice for you, or how would you characterize the fact that you're removed now from the constant barrage of questions about the previous seven years, if you will, getting back to the big leagues, everything you overcame from a, from a mental standpoint. Is that, is that a relief, or is it something that you know will always be attached to you and you like to regurgitate that story, if you will? I mean, I, no, I'm fine whenever somebody wants to bring that up. Cause it's, it's a good reminder to me that uh, you know, I probably shouldn't even be here, you know. Um, so I try to remind myself of that often, that, you know, this is, this is kind of a gift, and it's temporary and it's a really cool thing because you can't get lost in the daily grind and have a couple bad outings and it starts to feel really hard and like the balls are crashing in and you're like no I, this is I'm playing major league baseball I'm getting paid I'm getting to have my family around it which is a big reason I came back and to have my kids so I like to constantly remind myself um, how against the odds it is that I'm even here and then yeah it's it's nice to also focus on like hey this is like second part of my career is I'm, I'm not just here to you know uh, make people feel good I like to actually go out and get outs and try to dominate and uh, it's fun when you can when you're able to do that do you have to revisit any of the the things that you taught yourself to overcome what you did is it a constant renewal yeah I try to stay on top of it I think when things are going well uh, it's easy to get lazy with those things and kind of get out of some of the routines that allowed me to come back and allowed me to have the, the solid years the last last couple. Um, but I try to stay on top of it. Um, some different mental skills training things, some meditation, uh, some different focus exercises, some breathing stuff. Uh, I kind of have it basically incorporated into my, my pregame routine. Um, so a lot of it's kind of built in and kind of do it without thinking in a way. Um, so that's that's helped a lot. Okay, how many guys come up to you or get a hold of your number and shoot you a text privately and say, hey, I'm struggling a little bit. I feel like I may have what you went through. Is, is that common or infrequent? Yeah, you know, a lot of it comes through social media these days. Um, you know, Twitter and Instagram and stuff are just easy ways for, you know, uh, an average fan or, or amateur player to get in touch with someone that's, you know, on a bigger stage. So I try to respond to as many as I can. Um, a couple, there have been a few guys I've gotten into, like, ongoing conversation, relationship, kind of mentor relationships with. So I try to do that where I can. I obviously can't do that with 100 people, or I would. Um just time is time is limited so i think at some point it'd be cool to have a way to help a greater number of people you know i don't think i have any, any answers like there's no clear-cut answer to solve the ifs like, um, there are things that you can work toward put in place different things that i think can can help you can solve your problem i don't know if they will i don't that's the one thing i would never t- say is like hey, i have this guaranteed you do this you're going to be great. Like it's just not one of those things, you know. It's the brain's complicated, and any any mental issue, whether it's mental health or whatever, like it's not one thing that works for everybody. There's certain things that work for a lot of people, but it's a matter of trial and error, and, and just kind of having your own path, your own journey, and being willing to try some things that may seem outside the box or a little weird. Give them a shot, and uh, 
Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, there is no there is no uniform answer sometimes to complex questions. I think I think we learned that with uh, age. More with Drew and Rockies closer Daniel Bard after this from Ideal Home Loans. Brent Ivinson's team is outstanding. They've been in business for more than 20 years. They work here in Colorado, and they also work down in Arizona. They've helped save so many people money through the years, and I'm one of those people with their hand raised. I've used them uh, on multiple of occasions. And you know what's great for me? I've been able to pass along, because the service has been so good, I've been able to pass along a number of friends to Brent Ivinson's team, and they're all thrilled that I've done it because they help you navigate the process of buying a new home, of refinancing, or maybe making your home the dream home you want it to be by helping you fund it. So give them a call at 303-867-7000. That's 303-867-7000. Ideal Home Loans, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Now more with Drew and Rocky's closer, Daniel Bard. Last year, dominated righties struggle against lefties. This year, you dominate everyone. Why? Uh, uh, again, not a simple answer there. I wish there was. Um, I, we've tweaked a couple things. Uh, you can probably just look at my pitch usage and see that uh, I'm throwing more sinkers uh, than I did last year. Doing some things with the slider that, that are kind of new this year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I recognize where I was getting beat last year. Just looked at the numbers, you know, every so much data available now. Uh, you're crazy not to pick through it if you if you want something if you want to get better at something. So that's what we did this off season. And again, there's pretty subtle tweaks, uh, but I think they made a made a big difference. So I'm, I'm happy about it. I've said this, not that not that I have any uh, you know superpowers. I, I think it's pretty obvious though if you're if you're looking at numbers now as we move to the latter part of June and, and all star consideration conversations arise. You've had an all star first half is have you let your mind go there at all uh i mean it's hard not to i think it's a goal of every guy that's you know starts on an opening day roster is hey see how things go and we could, we could maybe you know be a part of that game I, i've never done it before had a couple of years in boston where i was thought i was really close or and they weren't really doing i was a setup guy then they, it was pretty much only closers got in uh for bullpen guys so that kind of weeded me out Unfortunately, um, this year I got that role, and I feel like I'm throwing the ball well. And obviously, there's, there's a lot of time between now and uh, when that game happens. So, just gotta keep my head down, keep doing doing what I've been doing, and you know, hopefully, we good things happen. Good deal. Have Have you also, I mean, as a player, you realize that, you, that there's a lot of things that are beyond your control. One of the neat things that's coming up for you later on chronologically in most people's careers, you're going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of, of this year. How frequently do you think about, you know, will I be traded? Do I, you know, want to stick around here because this is where I've resurrected my career? That sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, it's another one of those things. It's in the future. You try not to dwell on it, but it's, you know, having a family and stuff, it's going to affect my wife, my kids. Where I'm at for the next, you know, foreseeable future. So something you think about, but I also know that nothing's going to happen unless I finish the year out um, throwing the ball well and healthy and 
So I try to always say, you know, it's going to be cool. I hope, hopefully, I get to that point. But I got to take care of business today, and uh, I found that, that that works for a lot of things in life. You know, think about the future, but you don't dwell on it. You know, because nothing good's going to happen unless you take care of what's right in front of you today. So uh, that's where I try to keep my focus. You know, it's also interesting. You've heard from afar for so long that boy, the last place you want to go and, and pitch is. Denver and Coors Field being your home, and yet you, like a lot of your brethren, uh, oftentimes seem to pitch better at home and, and embrace it. Now that you've been a Rocky for a couple of years, how would you respond to that thought? Yeah, I think there's you know definitely certain types of pitchers, repertoires that play better at Coors than they do than others than other ones do. Um, I think a lot of us on this staff, you know, I don't know if it's because of how how they built the roster or what. I think I was kind of a, you know, they stumbled into me. But, uh, you know, my ball plays well. My ball, I'm, I rely on, on sink, and the ball's going to sink in Denver. That's one thing that the the, uh, the thin air doesn't affect. You know, the ball's still going to drop. It actually drops more at home. So if you can take advantage of that, you can pitch there. Uh, it's simple as that. You're just not going to get the, the crazy horizontal movement that you get on the road. Being an outdoors person, I would assume that uh, Denver and Colorado agrees with you and your family. Oh yeah, we love it, man. It's it's uh, you know we're living more in the city this year, but we try to get out on the off days to fish, hike, whatever. You know, mountains are so close. You gotta gotta take advantage. So you towed around a guitar. I asked you about this the other day. You've been doing that a while. One of the things about being a baseball player is you're afforded a great deal of uh, at least the first part of the day some free time. Uh, when did you pick it up, and how accomplished are you now? Uh, not too accomplished. Self-taught, mostly YouTube videos. Um, but my my best friend gave me a guitar at uh, 24 years old, I think, right when I got married, and started toting it around on the road. And get, like you said, got a lot of free time. I found it was a really good way for me to like calm down after games. So you get back to the hotel around 11 and play for an hour, hour and a half, and then kind of ready for bed. And you do that over enough time, you know, you accumulate some hours on it. You know, I can I can trick people into thinking I'm okay, but uh, it's fun. It's it's more of a like I said, it's more of like a mental health, something that consumes my attention for a couple hours when I'm on the road. Players uh, give you requests. We, we've done a little of that in the clubhouse uh, before games. I'll hook it up into the amp, uh, into the big speakers, and jam out a little bit. It's not very good, but it's loud. Rock and roll, country, what's your flavor? Yeah, a little of both. Uh, probably more classic rock than anything else. On the electric, anyway. You know, When I got the acoustic, it's a little different. But this year, I brought the electric, so we're rocking out. Who's your all-time favorite? Ooh. Uh, you know, a lot of Zeppelin, a lot of Hendrix. You know, those are kind of my... On the electric, that's what I like to play, I like to listen to. So, yeah, Neil Young throwback man that's all the stuff i listened to growing up that'll work nice yeah i'm all about it bardo thanks man good luck the rest of the way thanks man appreciate it how can you not be thrilled for daniel bard he truly is having an all-star season he's such a good story and beyond that he is and i think it comes across in the interview he's a really good guy he's a guy that does not take anything for granted comes from a close family he's a bright guy he's a a thinking man's pitcher with ridiculous stuff and last year 
where he really struggled against lefties. Lefties hit well over 300 with, against him with damage. Gave up homers, a lot of extra base hits, high slugging percentage. He's dominated lefties this year. And this is not trying to be gratuitous. He deserves to be an all-star as we talk on June the 21st of the season. And you still have, I understand, another few weeks before the all-star break. But um, he deserves to be there. And he's a tremendous guy. Couldn't be happier for Daniel Bard. All right. I am taping this now, this second part, after the Rockies game tonight and after the Avalanche game tonight. Unfortunately, the Rockies didn't need Daniel Bard tonight because they were losing 7-1 in the ninth. It was good to see Elias Diaz hit a three-run home run in the ninth, but it turns out to be uh, uh, inconsequential because the Rockies fall 7-4 and, and the beat goes on down in Miami where the Rockies just struggled to win baseball games Uh, And it's been that way for a number of years. But the hockey game, the Avs game was going on during the Rockies game. Jeff Houston and I, and Jeff is is like me, a crazy hockey guy. His oldest son was a tremendous player, played at UConn, Kyle Houston. And so we found uh, a, a nice establishment that had the hockey game on. We had a little something to eat. And we dug in for the third period and then overtime. In the third period, the Avalanche, after being absolutely dominated, like they haven't been all playoff season in the first period, they got after it in the third period. They obviously had a goal early, and then it goes to overtime. And they couldn't have, again, dominated any more in the overtime period. You watched it, right? And you keep thinking, oh, man, is it, they, they hit two posts. They hit a crossbar. O'Connor had a breakaway. Great five-hole save by Vasilevsky. And you're thinking, there's going to be some cheap goal at the other end, and the Avs, despite dominating, are going to lose, and it's going to go back to Denver 2-2. And then Nazem Kadri did his thing. Quickly ahead, Nazem Kadri inside the circle. Kadri, where's the puck? How did that not go in? It did. It did go in. It did? It did. We it did. That. He scores! Nazem Kadri! Yeah. The Kadri man can! <laughs> I didn't see it, but they did! I don't believe it! Kadri into the lineup. He gets the overtime winner! And you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here because this party is over! The Avalanche will go back to the Mile High City with a chance to win their third Stanley Cup. Big thanks to the Avalanche Radio Network. Another great call by Connor McGahee and the Avalanche win it. So we're watching, Huey and I are watching, and for whatever reason in this bar, the picture would freeze periodically. So Kadri comes in, shoots the puck, and the picture freezes. And also, you know, the puck got stuck in the top of the net, so no one knew for a couple of seconds what had happened. And then the and then after that, for us, the video froze. So we're like, oh my gosh. Somehow he didn't score, he shot it over the net. And then the, when it comes free again, the video, we're seeing the avalanche celebrating in the corner, and we're still thinking, well, okay, well, is that officially a goal? Maybe it wasn't, and they think it was. 
And then we see the bench, and then we see the handshakes, and it's going on and on, and we realize, yes, they did score, and it was so appropriate that it was Kadri. I mean, think about this guy. When he got assaulted in St. Louis, the next game he has a hat trick. He has surgery a few days back, relatively speaking, and not only does he show up tonight, but he scores a game-winning goal in overtime. I mean, you can't write scripts like that. It, it, we, you and I were high-fiving, we're hugging. It was unbelievable. I know you guys were doing the same thing wherever you were watching it. There is no greater sports theater than Stanley Cup playoff hockey, and then it gets ramped up about tenfold when it goes to overtime, and twentyfold when you truly have a rooting interest. It was unbelievable. So, yeah, the Rockies lost tonight. But it was uh, a sweet, sweet time watching the uh, the Avalanche victory. And now one game to go. 15 down, one to go. Go Avs, go. We'll do it again next week. we got Clint Hurdle coming up soon on the show. A reminder to listen to the DNVR boys and uh, Patrick Lyons and uh, all the great folks at DNVR and all the product they put out as well. Susie Hunters uh, joined Patrick and... Uh, you can catch them uh, five days a week on DNVR, so download their podcast as well. So uh, it's after midnight here. Got to sleep quick. Rockies game tomorrow, and we'll do it all again on this podcast next week. Thanks for uh, joining us, and thanks for telling your friends about uh, our little show here. Take care. Stay safe, everybody. Stay safe, everybody.